0: there's a worship there's a praise that happens in the midst of pain in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of disappointment in the midst of heartache when you worship and you praise in the midst of those things, that is a praise that is worthy that is a praise that goes up in heaven and that praise can't come from heaven. heaven there's no pain in heaven That praise can only come the side of heaven. And it tears through the veil, and it touches the Father's heart like no other.
1: going to take a second and respond that way just just begin to praise him you know if it's if it's tinged with sorrow and grief and questions let's give it to him thank you jesus thank you jesus we will still declare your goodness even when we question it in our own circumstances we will declare your goodness god We will give you all the glory and all the praise. Even when it costs us, it's a sacrifice of praise, sometimes Jesus, but you can still have it. You can have it all with a certain fragrance that just comes from earth. We don't get to do that for eternity, but today we will. Because you're still worthy. Because you still reign. Because you're still in charge because you haven't fallen off your throne. Oh, we give you praise. Thank you. I want to share something, just a word real quick this isn't this isn't the message. It might be the message in two weeks, but you're gonna get it today i've re- I've read this scripture uh for like two weeks, and every time I read it, it like makes an emotional response in me like it explodes in me and i was telling john like it's kind of a random scripture but i feel like it's for someone specific says my enemies come out at night My enemies come out at night snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food, but they go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love for you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. And I'm not going to try to add a whole bunch to that, but if you are being tormented in the night... I feel like like there's something exploding in me to to remind you that your enemy is going to sleep unsatisfied. He's not winning. You, You can feel him. He's out to ravage your soul, but he's going to bed hungry because he will not win. And as for you, When you rise in the morning after the terror and the torture of the night, I believe the Lord is going to be releasing a song of joy into you. Because you will stand and say, While he showed up, I have seen God be my refuge and my place of safety. Amen? Amen. There might be more coming on that, but I got to share that with you this morning to say... That's a promise straight from Psalm 59. You can go read the whole rest of it, but amen. God is good. Our God is good. All right, you can be seated. I won't tell you how long I tried to put that into a message last night, but Jesus just knows how to do it way better. And if I'd probably stop thinking, I could have been on board with that sooner than right now. All right. Well, it's been like a hot minute since I've spoken to y'all, so I'm glad to be here. Like I told you, uh, if you weren't here during announcements, Pastor John is actually speaking in Lubbock this morning for a dear friend and brand new pastor uh, who has COVID and the associate is out of town, so we felt strongly like we were supposed to serve her, so Pastor John is there releasing the word. So uh, all that went down like yesterday afternoon, so here I am, I've been... Preparing this morning for what the Lord would share for us Uh, But you know as a church we've been going through exodus for just a good part of the year And i've also personally been reading through this just really slowly and intentionally And absorbing it just taking it all in Uh, And the reason that i'm doing that like so many of us in the room find ourselves kind of in foreign places You know what i'm saying? Kind of in an in-between If you will, like you feel like you've left one spot and you know you're going to a new spot, but you're not quite sure what that spot is. And so here we are in this middle ground in in some foreign spaces and in like new seasons, so to speak. And in the middle of that in between, when you're kind of going from one place to another place, uh, it can be because of all kinds of things right it can be because of retirement whoop whoop those of you in the house that are celebrating that we celebrate with you it can be because of illness tragedy loss job change or just plain inner transformation when the lord is reworking and reconstructing you you go from what you knew to something brand new. And as I read about the Israelites, so so that's why I'm like, I'm just going to dig in here because when I think about people in the middle ground between one place and the other place, you just have to look at the Israelites because they spent like a long time there. And the Israelites were God's people and, and as we read about them leaving Egypt, I, I just see them in this place. And, you know, we give them a lot of grief. If you've been with us, you, you should know the story of Exodus now. And we give them a lot of grief for all their complaining and their idol worship and their overall grumpy demeanor in the midst of some of the greatest displays of God's miraculous provision in all of history. We, how can they act like that? How can you complain when you walked through a parted sea on dry ground? How can you be complaining? After everything you've seen God do, why in the world are you grumbling? After everything you've seen Moses do, why are you continually throwing him under the bus? How could you just build a golden calf the moment that Moses leaves you for a few weeks? And he's meeting with God on the mountain in front of you. How can you do these things? But really, (laughs) we're not much different, are we? Because humanity has never loved change. And in the middle of everything changing in your life and in that in-between place, those are the moments when we find ourselves running to anything. How did the Israelites so freely hand their affection to to something else besides God in the middle of transition? We do the same thing. We run and we we numb ourselves from the discomfort. We complain about our situations and our circumstance. And sometimes they're the very things that we prayed and asked God for. If you remember the whole reason that the Israelites even were freed out of Egypt is because it says the Lord said, I have heard the cry of my people. And he's responded to their cries. He's showed up as the deliverer. He's taken them to this place. They're in the in-between. And here they are like, we would have been better as slaves. And I'm not going to lie that there's sometimes in the foreign place that we just want something so familiar that I'd be willing to go back. Because I know it. We turn our hearts and our affection to things, to people, to social media. We, we binge watch a series for eight hours to just get lost, to not have to deal with our reality. We can watch somebody else's reality. That's why reality TV is so popular because it's great to watch somebody else's hot mess life because I don't have to think about mine or because I can watch their messed up life and be like, at least I'm not that messed up. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our God. We cry out constantly for him to do something more. Because when you're in the in-between going from one place or another place, there's a lot of uncertainty, and we're just begging God, just do another thing, just do another thing, and we become just like the Israelites. It's great that you're raining down miraculous food every day, but we could really use meat in our diet. Could you do that? Oh, now we have miraculous provision for both of those things, but we're really thirsty and we need water. We should have stayed as slaves. We need something more. We need something more. We need you to show up. We need you to show up. And it's because our hearts are fickle because in the middle of uncertainty and change, we all just get really uncomfortable. And uncomfortable people are grumpy. Have you noticed that about yourself? But as we've studied the book of Exodus, we see that there's one person over and over who's not stuck in these patterns, and it's Moses. Moses comes to the Lord. He's got lots of questions, too. He's living in the in-between, the same as everyone else. And yet we see him responding differently. We just finished Exodus 33 uh, last week. And so Exodus 34, if you want to put that on the screen, I'm going to start in verse four. You know, I like the idea of thinking I'm going to turn around and read that from a screen, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I like my Bible. to help if I wasn't in Exodus 4. I was like, I do not remember that part. This is why you read from the screen, I guess. All right. So this is following, if you haven't been here in a couple weeks, Moses comes down the mountain with the 10 commandments and all the people are worshiping a golden calf because they thought it was going to be a great idea to hand over all their gold jewelry and create something they could worship while Moses was gone. Brilliant, I'm not sure what was going through their minds But like we said, sometimes you don't think straight When you're in the middle of that kind of space Uh, And so Moses gets so mad He throws down the tablets of stone With the Ten Commandments on them and breaks them And so then they have to like go through this whole thing And clean up the mess and all of this stuff And now God has told Moses Okay, chisel out some new tablets And come on up to the mountain again And we'll redo this thing (laughs) All right, so that's where we're at So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. And then the Lord came down in a cloud, and he stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And he's just like saying who he is. I I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I'll lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. So Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And he said, oh, Lord, if it's true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. And the Lord responds to him and begins to say, I'm making a covenant with you. And that's serious business, if you're not aware. and he He begins to tell him, the way he wants him to live. And there's something that caught my attention as I was reading this. You know, we're talking about Moses is kind of being a little... He, he acts different than the Israelites. He responds different. And it's because that there's, there's two things that sets him apart that help him walk through this crazy part of life and well. Number one is he knows God personally. You see it here again. Uh, if... If you've been around listening to John for a while, the book of Exodus, that actually means the book of names. And you see God showing up over and over. What does it say? He showed up to Moses and he declared his name Yahweh, his personal name. And it says he came down and he was with him. Moses gets to know God's heart. He knows his ways. Last week, Pastor John uh, highlighted Psalm 103, where it says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. See, Moses had gone beyond understanding that God is powerful and does miracles, and he began to understand his heart. He met with him face to face, it says in the Word of God. He knows the Lord. He doesn't just experience him corporately with a bunch of people and see the things he does. He's with him. He's meeting with him. Inside the tent of meeting, in Exodus 33, it says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That is some closeness there. And the tent of meeting was not the temple where no one was allowed. Anyone could come to the tent of meeting. Anyone was available to come and meet with God. And it's in that spot where Moses began to understand the heart of God. Because God shows up to him. It becomes personal. And the second reason is that Moses didn't live with a slave mindset. The Israelites had been slaves for 430 years. That's all these people knew. It's the way they lived, it's the way their grandma lived, and their grandma before them. They only knew slavery. They lived under a tyrant Pharaoh who was working them to the bone. They were slaves. And when they leave Egypt, they know how to be slaves. They don't know what it looks like or feels like to be free. So they kind of just bring their slave mindset to their new life. And they just transfer the power from one master to another. But Moses, on the other hand, was never a slave. If you know his story, Moses was born in a time when every baby boy was being slaughtered by the Pharaoh. And his mother in an intense amount of bravery and courage, hides her baby boy until he cannot be hidden anymore. And in a desperate attempt to save his life, she builds a basket, places her her sweet baby in it, and lets it go down the Nile River. And Moses is spared by the Pharaoh's daughter, She picks him up, she takes him in, and he is raised where? In the palace. Moses was never a slave. And I think that sets him apart from everyone else as as they are navigating this in-between zone, and it allowed him to meet with God face to face somewhat easier because he's coming to God now listen he, he was interacting him with him beyond master but he is God is most certainly the Lord okay so let's be clear on something God is the Lord and master of our life. He is in charge. If you are a believer in Jesus and you're going to give him your life, he is the Lord. Okay, so it's not... Do you understand what I'm saying? Slavery mindset, not slavery mindset. But that doesn't mean that we don't, get to, that we don't submit to God as our absolute Lord. But he is personal and loving and full of mercy so let's not get lost in the in-between. In we, we have to come to him and understand that he is absolutely the Lord and master. But that he is not a tyrant who is just dictating orders like some man high in the sky who is like going to set us on fire or strike us with lightning if we're not living correctly, okay? So that's the difference is there is an, an invitation as we follow Jesus, as we follow God as our Lord, to meet him personally. And Moses models this. The very first time Moses meets with God, it's the burning bush. And what does God say? Take off your shoes. This is holy. Okay. So there, you, you see Moses laying himself under the authority of God all the time under his lordship, but he is still in the tent of meeting, meeting him face to face. But if you have, if you bring kind of this slave mindset it's hard to just really meet with the Lord and get beyond him just being a dictator. Now, it's not impossible to change if you feel like, oh man, like I just view God that way. It's not impossible to change. How do I know this? Because the second half of Exodus thirty-three, eleven, after Moses... He's inside the tent of meeting and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to camp, but a young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Joshua is going to end up being the successor. And I'm sorry for that spoiler alert. I don't, know if, I don't know when we're going to get there, but Joshua ends up taking Moses' space. And I think it's because he has learned to also meet with God. So it's not impossible. It's not like saying like, oh, I guess I'm just going to live with my slave mindset and I'm never going to meet God face to face. But some people will because they got to grow up in the palace. That is a slave mindset when you're going to live as the victim forever. But you have the opportunity to break out of that. The presence of God will change you. It breaks you free. It breaks you free from living as as a slave to anything that holds your heart. And it brings you in as a child. And I believe that Joshua experienced that. He was the one who's always lingering in the tent of meeting. After Moses is meeting God face to face, man, Joshua's hanging out in the presence of God. And the presence of God will change you. And the presence of God is always with us. It is not in this building. It is not in this room. And there has to be a shift in us as the people of God where we pursue him. In our life where we experience his presence, where I meet with God face to face, not just on a Sunday morning in our worship service, if it feels good and if the music is right and if Felicia has chosen the right song and it's on point, man, sometimes that's how we want to come to the Lord, though, is we we kind of ride on the emotion of a service. But there's an invitation from our God to say, I will meet with you tomorrow your bedroom can become holy ground. Your table at dinner with your family can be holy ground. Your car, I'm telling you, does anybody else spend a lot of time in their car? School started and I am just like, hello, my friend, here we are again. But that that can become a sacred space when you fill it with worship and you set your heart on Jesus and you're just like, yeah, God, this is good. Show me your goodness, speak to my heart. The presence of God changes us. It breaks us from living as a slave and it brings us in as a child. In Galatians 4, 7, it says this way, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Romans 8:15 says so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children and now we call him abba father some, some translations will say it, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. If you are a child of God, you are not a slave. So you don't have to live like one. What would it look like if the whole church, not the whole big C church, what would it look like if every believer acted like a son and not a slave? What would it look like if the people of God we're meeting with God face to face and understood Him so personally, and we're being transformed by His presence and bringing that to the world around them rather than just checking off a box. What would it look like if the church was meeting with God and being flooded with His power and then releasing it in their workplaces? would it look like if we were so captivated with Jesus and he was the only thing that mattered that we had to tell everyone about him. We need some people to get saved in our city. We should be doing that. That's That's the gospel, and that's God's plan A, and there is no plan B, to use you to share the heart of God and invite people into that relationship. What does it look like if we're doing that as slaves? It's not as appetizing. But what does it look like when we're doing it as sons and daughters? And we're saying, let me introduce you to a father who wants to adopt you. See, our hearts should be stirred by this. The gospel is enough. We in ourselves are not enough, okay? Let's just remind ourselves of that. We can do all the work and hang out in the presence of God, but without Him, I'm not enough. But the gospel is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for Midland, Texas. He is the answer. And when the church gets on board with that, it does something because then I want to give it away. I want to invite people into this. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to release healing. I want to see miracles happening in our community that are signs that are pointing people to heaven. We're not slaves, we're sons and we're daughters. You don't have to be a slave to fear anymore, even in the in-between, right? That's the invitation. to. That's like when you wrestle against this stuff the most. Have you noticed that? Because when everything's uncertain, it's just a little bit hard to be secure and sure. But you are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. And God's word said he has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. If you are a believer in Jesus, it says you have the mind of Christ. That's our inheritance. It's it's what the blood of Jesus paid for. Our sound mind. Our adoption. So that we don't have to live, live as a slave but where we can come before This God who is absolutely holy, absolutely the Lord, that we get to bring our lives under his authority, but we can meet him. We can know him. We can know not only his acts, but his ways. His heart, the way he moves, what he does. And when we know his ways, then when all the big questions come out, In the middle of the in-between. My theology doesn't change. Because he's good. But if you haven't encountered God like this, then when you find yourself in the in-between, those big questions can wreck you. Why is this happening? Is God really good because this isn't good. None of those questions are wrong. But when you ask it from a place of knowing God's ways, I ask it and settle on, you are absolutely good. I will not change the word of God to match my circumstances because I know your heart, because I know your ways. I know your ways are higher than our ways, even even in the questioning, even in the mystery But when I don't know the heart of God, it's in those times when we can say, maybe he's not as good as we thought. And we can begin to bring the word of God down to match our circumstances. And I just refuse to do that because he's far too good. Even when you're like going, how can this world bring this much pain on this person? How can somebody experience this much trauma in their life when you're good? Except for you are that good. And it's because you're good that you're going to show up in this. It's because you're good that this will become testimony. And because this will not crush a person. Because this will su- you will sustain someone in the hardest season of their life. Do you see the difference? And it is in our deepest suffering that that is the time for Jesus to shine into the world because we as believers suffer differently because we know our God is still good. We know he will sustain us and we watch him do it. Jesus paid for us to have that to live with a sound mind, to live as a child, as a co-heir with him. Jesus paid for us to have a relationship with the Father where we have access to all of heaven. All the time. Did you know, like you have access to Every resource in the kingdom of God because you are his child. Not just like when you die, like right now as we live and move and have our being, we have access to all of heaven's resources because of the blood of Jesus. Not because we're awesome, not because we're good enough, not because we're keeping rules, not because we have it together, not because we haven't experienced pain in our life, not because we don't understand how hard life is. All those things that people throw out at you. Because of Jesus. Straight up. Because of Jesus. That's the only thing. It's the only thing that brings us into sonship or daughtership. It's the only thing that will bring us out of a slave mindset. It's the only thing that transforms us and gives us access to a father is the blood of Jesus. It's the only way we get there. And so I want us to respond this way. We're going we're gonna to take communion together. And come to this table to remember that Jesus is enough. And you know what? The presence of God has the power to transform you. And my encouragement to you is to press into that. Man, if you're feeling good on a Sunday morning because you're here in the presence, think about what it would look like if that was multiplied throughout your whole week. You have access to that. You don't need Felicia to come and sing at your house for the presence of God to fall. You don't got to call me to get some truth. I mean, now listen if your mind is crazy and you need to phone a friend, do it. But Jesus paid for your sound mind, it's your inheritance you have the mind of Christ. You can think and not have a crazy brain. Sometimes you need to remind yourself of that. So I want us to come to the table with that in mind, to say, Jesus, your blood has paid for my mind. And I believe that the Lord wants to still some crazy train thoughts in some of your heads supernaturally this morning. And then he's going to invite you to the invitation to partner with him in the renewing of your mind by reading your word. The way that you renew your mind is coming to the word of God and allowing the presence of Jesus to change the way you think. And you know where that happens? In the in-between. The best things are forged in the wilderness. So, stop being grumpy. Stop complaining. Let's not act like the Israelites. Let's not miss out on the invitation to change the way we think by running to Netflix instead of God. Let's not numb out until we get to the promised land. That's not the point. That's not the point. Do you realize that God took a whole bunch of slaves and gave them a promised land that they had to become an army to fight for? Like they had to probably take some time to be forged as warriors before they could take the land. So in the middle of the in-between, if you find yourself in that space, whether by good circumstances or hard ones, Let's remind ourselves, God is there. There's an invitation. The tent of meeting was set up in the middle of the wilderness for anyone. It was an invitation to anyone. 600,000 men and their families. And you know who went? Two that are listed. I mean, let's just say some people aren't listed. The number's really small. We can be like, what are those people doing? Except for the Israelites would be looking at the church today. What in the world are you doing? You get Holy Spirit in you. You have access to him all the time. You don't even have to go to a tent of meeting, and you guys aren't doing it. You're not spending time with him. You're not hearing his voice. You're just living like slaves in the middle of the wilderness. What in the world is going on? They would be asking the same questions of us. So let's change it. Let's act like Moses. Let's act like Joshua. Whether you're living and you're like, I have never been a slave, Awesome, meet with Jesus and keep giving that away. Invite somebody to hang out with you and learn how to live that way. Or if you're like, man, I've been a slave my whole life to fear, to addiction, to all the things. Hang out in God's presence and watch it transform you. And do it regularly. Meet with Jesus. He's paid for it. Amen? All right, ushers, if you will. Okay, I know this is weird. Can we stand? Can we stand and take communion if you're able or want to? Sometimes it's good to change our posture as we respond to the Lord. You know, we get a little comfortable in our chairs. And uh, let's just have you. Pass out both.
0: Thanks. Thank you, Jesus.
1: You know, as you get your cracker and juice, as they're passing it out, I want you to just think about your own life, where you are in this place. Maybe you're not in the in between. Maybe you're still in Egypt. Maybe you're already in the promised land. <laughs> or maybe you're somewhere on middle ground. But what is the Lord saying to you about your mind? About your response to Him?
0: Thank you, Jesus.
1: I'm going to pray over the over the bread. Jesus, since sin entered the world, there has always been a sacrifice required. To be close to the father. And the fact that you are willing to come and be that for us. Is completely mind blowing. We thank you for your body that you laid down. For us, that the torture and the crushing that you endured brings us life and wholeness in our minds, in our bodies, and in our spirits. And so, Jesus, today we come to this table and we remember you. And we want to live honoring your sacrifice and remembering it and declaring that it is enough. And today, Lord, I pray that we would break our partnership with any kind of slavery mindset that would say we just have to work hard. For a tyrant God. Thank you Lord for breaking that. As we remember Jesus. The sacrifice. So that we could come close to God. Thank you for giving us face to face access. In Jesus name. Amen. You can take your cracker. We're going to take our juice. I'm going to really test all of your ability to multitask here with holding a small cup of something that can stain your clothes. If you feel like you have been struggling in your mind, I want you to put your hand on your head while I pray over you, okay? Because I just I just sense that the Lord wants to release something in the house. I declare over you right now a sound mind. I plead the blood of Jesus over every mind in this house that it would come into alignment with Jesus. All your crazy train thoughts, I declare peace right now for minds that are out of control, or for minds that just feel empty, like you can't have focus, you feel like you've lost your thoughts, I declare right now the blood of Jesus over your mind. Jesus, I thank you that your blood has paid for our sound mind, that that is an inheritance for the people of God, to walk with a healthy mind, with healthy thoughts about ourselves, about others, about our lives, about you, about our relationships. Lord, right now, I thank you for just lining those up. And Lord, I even pray For actual brains to to have supernatural pathways created in their brains to think differently in Jesus' name. I thank you for transforming the way we think. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come with your presence and begin to just shift mindsets in this house. And Lord, I thank you for the invitation of partnership to change the way we think. And as we do that, that's where we really find ourselves in the in-between. Going from a mindset and thinking one way to training our brains to think a new way. Would you meet us there in the wilderness as you forge new things in our minds? As you forge new things in our hearts, Lord, we will forsake everything that we have run to With our affection, with our attention, to numb out in the discomfort of all of that, we will lay all of that at your feet and say we repent for running to anything but you. We will lay out our lives again under your lordship, declaring Jesus that you are enough. Your blood is enough for me in this season in the hard, in the awkward, in the uncomfortable, in transition, in all of those things. Lord, we invite you. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us access in every season, in every scenario that you want to show up and release your goodness, your comfort, your encouragement, and your life. We receive that, and we thank you for covering us in your blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you still need prayer, we'll have some leaders up here available to pray for you. If you want to press into that a little bit more, if you've never given your heart to Jesus for real you've never made him the Lord of your life, I encourage you to come talk to one of our leaders. They would love to share the gospel and all of its goodness with you. Uh, And if you just need to be like Joshua and hang out a little bit in the tent, we invite you to stick around and do that.